number nine, verse number eight. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning called Define It. Define it. And so as you're turning in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 8, I want to say a special welcome to anyone who would be visiting here with us this morning. Thank you for being at the Way Bible Church on this below freezing morning. It may be cold outside, but the Spirit of God is good inside. Amen. And so we're glad that you're here today. Thank you for spending time with us in worship this morning. If you are visiting with us today, grab that card out of the chair in front of you. Fill it out, bring it to either information center on either side of the sanctuary right after service this morning because we have a gift for you from the church, information of how you can get planted right here with us. And the Bible says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. And you see the banners up all around the sanctuary. That is our theme for this year. We want you planted right here with us at the Way Bible Church. And so special welcome to all of you visiting here with us this morning. We also want to take a moment and celebrate all of our kids who are kindergarten through fourth grade. Y'all give our kids a big hand clap of praise today. Come on now. God's got some good stuff going on with our TWBC kids, and we know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has great and mighty plans for their life. They're going to be leaders on this earth and leaders among this generation and the next, and we're so excited about everything that God has in store for your kids and our kids. Also want to give a shout out to all of our Rage student ministry students over here. Come on, we got Radiate High School ministry that goes on. We got our Rage student ministry kids that are absolutely amazing and a joy and a gift from God. And so if you don't know who they are, make your way over here and meet them after service. Let them know that you love them and that you are so glad that they're here in the house of God with us this morning. And so I love our student ministries department. They're doing some amazing and some awesome things. And so we're jumping into a new series this morning called Define It. And so as you're turning in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 8, a couple quick things this morning. We have a freedom conference coming up in 18 days. Everybody say 18 days. Come on, 18 days. We got a freedom conference. We got Pastor Rodney Hogue and Miss Sherry Salzberger that's going to be here and they're going to minister to us. And people have been asking us, Pastor, what is this about? I don't know. I don't understand. Well, it's about this. It's about freedom. We've been asked this question. Who's it for? It's for everyone. If you need freedom in your life, come and you'll get freedom. If you want to be activated in how to help people set free, come and we'll help activate you so you can help people get set free. If you need healing in your life physically, come because we believe the power of God is going to show up and watch healings occur. We're also going to teach you what it looks like for you to lay your hands on the sick and watch them get well. Amen. So who is this for? It's for anyone. If you know somebody who's hurting, bring them and help them get healed. But if you want to learn about healing or helping people overcome and get freedom in their life, come because we're going to equip and train train you to do that as well. And so this conference is for everybody. So I'm telling you, you need to come and also bring your sick, lost, hurt, broke, and dying friends. So you can be activated in how to set your own friends and your family members free. Hey, we have sign-up sheets at both Information Center right after service this morning. If you want to sign up to come to the Freedom Conference, we're going to get um, just some uh, uh, basic information about how many people we're uh, coming to expect to this. And so we're believing God for about 250 people to show up at this two-day conference Friday night, Saturday morning. And let's watch the power of God begin to move in our church and in our lives as we do these things. And so um, also I want to take a special moment this morning. And I always like to do this from time to time. It's the, there's sometimes people in the church, they just stand out, you know? But they're the unsung heroes many times, and many of us may not even know who they are. And so I want to stop for just a moment, and I want to say a special thank you to Larry Holland and Tammy Holland for the great job that they do every week cleaning this whole facility. Amen? And, and, and 
I'm amazed because every Sunday morning when we walk out of here, it looks like people have left the ball game, you know? Or the movie theater. Man, we got coffee cups laying around, bottles of water laying everywhere. People have been crying in the service and stuffed their tissues in the back of chairs and stuff like that. Well, I'm so grateful for the work that Larry and Tammy do. And they come in here with a joyful spirit, a joyful heart, every single Monday and every single Thursday and begin to just come through here. And as we spiritually go before the Lord and we clean house before every service, they come physically before the Lord and honor the Lord their God with their gift of service to TWBC. So if you see Larry and Tammy Holland, give them a hug and tell them thank you for all they do. Also give them a big hand clap this morning. Amen. And so as we're jumping into a series called Define It Today, we know we're in a theme this year called uh, Planted, and we want you to develop fruit where you are and roots to where you're growing. Fruit where you are and roots to where you're growing. And there's three things that are uh, uh, keys to developing roots in your life and getting planted here with us. The first thing is your time. We want you to show up at three Sunday morning services every single month this year. Three Sunday morning services. The second thing, um, the first one is your time. The second one is your ability to talk. Amen. If you got a mouth, say amen. amen. If you got a mouth, say I'm here. Amen. If you got a mouth, say I'm hungry. Amen. Okay, so we know everybody in this room has a mouth. We want you to talk about what God's doing in your life. Yeah. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> If God touches your heart on Sunday, it shouldn't have disappeared by Monday. And when you walk into your workplace on Monday, you should be so excited and talk about what God has done. And we want you to even invite your friends to come to church with you. So we want you to, we want you to come to three Sunday morning services a month with your time. We want you to talk about what God is doing in your life. But we also want you to step out by faith and do what the Bible says and tithe. We want you to tithe. I want you to put this into practice in your life. Parents all the time come to me and say, Pastor, how do I pray for my kids? How do I pray for my family? And I say, I want you to know how to pray, but also I want you to do one other thing. And they say, what's that? And I say, do you tithe? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. Tithing is the greatest spiritual warfare you can do for your family. Yeah. I mean, go read the Bible and what it talks about in Malachi, but also what it talks about giving in the New Testament. And we're going to touch on some of this even this morning. And no, we're not talking about tithing today. But I want to encourage you, if you're truly going to be planted somewhere, your time, your talking, and your tithe or your finances begin to show where you're truly invested. And if you truly want to be invested in the kingdom of God through TWBC, those are three great ways to get planted right here with us. And so as we jump into this series this morning, define it. The title of this morning's message is One Way Love. One Way Love is the title of this morning's message. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 8. And this is the part of a cheerful giver. So if you want to read verses 6 and verse 7, it will talk about that and what I just mentioned with the tithe. But I'm just going to jump into verse number 8 for a moment. And I want to read this. And it says, and God is able. Everybody say, God is able. God is able. Now listen, if God is able, that means he's also willing. He's not going to tell you about his power so you can just look at it and say, wow, that'd sure be great if he would use it for me. If God says he's able, that also means he's willing. Amen? Yeah. So the Bible says God is able to make all grace. Everybody say all grace. all grace. I promise you hadn't been living in all grace. Amen? We haven't been living as a church in all grace. 
I haven't even come to the fullness of realizing what all grace looks like. Amen. Grace is such a massive part of the kingdom of God. I don't believe we'll fully understand the depths of it because the, the very DNA of God, I believe, is grace itself. And you can't exhaust an inexhaustible God. Amen. And, and so we, I want us to go deeper into what grace truly is. And he says, um, and God is able to make all grace abound. I love the, the, the Passion Translation. It says, super abound unto you. So that having all sufficiency... In all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound unto every good work. And so as we read that this morning, I'm praying that that thing begins to manifest in your life in a real and mighty way. And as we're in a series called Define It, you, will, you won't grow if you do not know. You won't grow if you do not know. So the premise of this whole series is we picked out six words over the next six weeks that we're just simply going to define. And these are Christianese words, as we like to say it. You know how you got your church language, and grace is one of those words that's in your church language, and also amen is one of those words that's a church language word. Anointing is a word that's a church language word. Salvation is a word that's a church language word. But everybody has their own definition of it, and sometimes those definitions are contrary to the Bible. Sometimes they they're just miss what the Bible says. And so if we're going to define terms in the Bible because you won't grow if you do not know we've got to get back to the very roots of the Word of God itself amen and so as we go out throughout this series over the next six weeks, we're going to define some amazing words in the kingdom of God. But the first thing that we have to define is not a word. We got to define you and me. Because we can define all these amazing words in the scripture and have the power of God. But if you haven't defined who you are, the words will not have near as much power and effectiveness in your life. They'll be great for somebody else, but not for you because you don't know who you are and you haven't defined who you are. And so in this, I want to briefly go through some of the things that the Bible says about you. This is how the Bible defines you. And think of the world culture that we live in today and how the world defines you and how the Bible defines you and at the end of this next five minutes you're gonna have to pick do I want to go by the Bible's definition of me or will I stick with the label that the world has slapped on me come on now this is good if you're going to get roots that grow deep into the kingdom of God you've got to first define in your heart and let it permeate your head and begin to live out through your body who the Bible says you are Okay, so I want to read some of this to you. The Bible says this. It says in Matthew 5.13, I am the salt of the earth. 5.14, it says, I am the light of the world. The Bible says, I am a child of God in John 1.12. I am Christ's friend in John 15.15. 15. I am chosen by, John, uh, by Christ in John 15.16. I am God's gift to Christ in John 17.24. I have been made right in God's sight by faith in Romans 5.1. I am at peace with God according to Romans 5.1. I am in the place of highest privilege according to Romans 5.2. I am confidently and joyfully looking forward to becoming all that God has in mind for me according to Romans 5.2. I am rejoicing in troubles for through them God is building me up and making me strong according to Romans 5 3 through 5 I am reconciled to God according to Romans 5 10 I am a receiver of God's grace amen that far supersedes my worst sin come on according to Romans 5 20 I'm gonna say that again because that deserves a shout of praise I am a receiver of God's grace that far supersedes my worst sin can we give God praise on that one that's Romans 5 20 
And it says, I am dead to sin, praise God, and alive to God in Romans 6.11. I am a recipient of eternal life through Christ Jesus, according to Romans 6.23. I am free from condemnation, according to Romans 8.1. I am free from the vicious cycle of sin and death, according to Romans 8.2. I am a son of God. God is spiritually my father, according to Romans 8.14 and 15, Galatians 6.23, and Galatians 4.6. I am protected whoever, who can, for who can be against me, according to Romans 8.31. I am inseparable from God's love according to Romans 8 35 I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ according to Romans 8 37 I am God's dwelling place and his spirit and his life dwells in me according to 1 Corinthians 3 16 and 6 19 I am united to the Lord our God according to 1 Corinthians 6 17 I am a member of Christ's body the church according to 1 Corinthians 12 27 I am adequate for anything because my adequacy comes from God according to 2 Corinthians 3 5 I am a new creation in Christ Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 5 17 I am reconciled to God and a minister of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians 5 18 the Bible says this and some of you got to get this one I am a saint according to Ephesians 1 1 come on now the Bible calls you a saint so I don't understand why you keep saying you're a sinner saved by grace did you get born again or did you not get born again because after you got born again, you're no longer considered a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint in the kingdom of Almighty God, and let's start living like such. And so listen to this. It says you're a saint according to Ephesians 1.1. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing according to Ephesians 1.3. I am forgiven of my sins according to Ephesians 1.7. I am God's workmanship and his handiwork according to Ephesians 1.7. I am a fellow citizen with the rest of God's family according to Ephesians 2.19. I am the righteous and holy according to Ephesians 4.24. I am a citizen of heaven according to Ephesians 2.6. I am strong in the Lord to fight off every one of Satan's attacks according to Ephesians 6.10-17. I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me according to Philippians 4.13 I am filled with God's power that works mightily in me according to Colossians 1.29 I am complete in Christ filled with God possessor of everything according to Colossians 2.10 I am chosen by God holy and dearly loved according to Colossians 3.12 and 1 Thessalonians 1.4 I am a son and a daughter of the light and not of the darkness according to 1 Thessalonians 5.5 I am adequate I am complete equipped for every good work according to 2 Timothy 3.17. I am able to come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need according to Hebrews 4.16. I am a child of God. I will resemble Christ when he returns according to 1 John 3, 1 and 2. And according to Revelation 1.5, it says, I am loved by God. Come on now. Now, when is the last time you woke up and you looked in the mirror and said, this is what defines me, not how I feel, how I got out of bed today. When is the last time we looked in the mirror and said, the definition that God has for me is so much greater than what the world has slapped on me. And you know what? If we in the body of Christ would embrace God's definition of us, it would cut out every prejudice. It would cut out every act of hatred. It would cut out every denominational wall. Come on, thank you, Jesus. And we would be the body of Christ. But because we let the world begin to define who we are and what we are and how we should operate instead of the Bible defining it, we've been living with messed up definitions thinking we're just a sinner hoping to get to heaven one day when I don't believe that. I don't believe that in the least. Now follow me just for a minute. 
Hunter, can you come help me for a second? Y'all give Pastor Hunter a hand clap as he comes up here this morning. And Hunter, I want you to sit in this chair with me just for a moment. Because the Bible says this about you, Hunter. The Bible says, when you are born again, you are a new creation. And you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The problem we have many times in the body of Christ is you're not fighting the devil as much as you're fighting your flesh. See, I was like, oh, the devil's getting me today. It's not the devil, it's just your flesh. And if you would overcome the flesh, you would overcome 90% of the attacks that you think are the devil. Right? And so here's what I got to get us to understand for the moment. What is real, what God said about us, we don't always feel it. You know, have you ever woke up one morning and said, I just don't feel saved today. Come on, thank you, Jesus. There's been some Sunday mornings that I've woke up and said, God, I just don't feel saved today. But how many of you know what I feel is not what is always real? Because it doesn't matter how I feel this morning when I woke up. The, the words of God that define me say I'm born again. I'm loved. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. It says I'm inseparable from God Almighty. And so in that, it doesn't matter how I feel because what is real trumps how I feel. And here's the biggest attack of the enemy. It's to get you to trust in how you feel over what is actually real. And this is the attack of the enemy. You know that Hunter is seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Now, I need you to get ready because I'm going to try and pull you out of this chair, okay? I'm just, I'm just warning you, okay? <laughs> you may want to put this foot out like this and get you some... Because here's how strong that we believe how we feel at times. This is the truth. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But see, how we feel isn't what always real, so we're ready for... Are you ready? Yeah. We're, we're ready for what God's, what, what God's going to do, but the enemy comes and says... See, right? That's exactly what he thought. See, if you woke up knowing what I was expecting you to do, right? So he was like, he's been to pull me out. Like, do you see how easy our feelings? See, he felt I was going to pull him this way. He was ready because I even said, get this foot ready right here. Right? All the lies of the enemy. Hey, get this foot ready. Brace. And so the devil doesn't even have to work hard. Your flesh doesn't have to work hard because he'll just bump you from the other direction. And the work of us as a believer is to let this define us so much that nothing pulls us out of this seat. Nothing pushes us out of this seat. And even if we got 20 strong men and picked him up and begin to bring him to the back of the sanctuary, he's not leaving his seat of being seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And so before we can get into this series, define it, and we got a powerful message that our staff designed on grace today. If I can't get this through you on how this defines you, you're never going to fully understand all that grace has for you in the kingdom of God. Now, now, now listen to this. What you feel is not always real, but what, excuse me, what is real we do not always feel, but what we feel is is not always real, so that's why defining it is so important. That's why the Bible says in John 15, 16, that you should go and bear much fruit, and that your fruit should, what? Remain. Now listen, we need to have fruit that remains, but many of us want the feeling that will remain. Right? You have this good feeling in church this morning. And oh God, I want that feeling to be here on Monday morning. Why? Because you're going by your feeling and not faith. And if you can get back to what you felt... 
Yesterday, it'll empower you to the day. You're not living by faith, you're living by feeling, and you're automatically getting into the works of yourself, not the work that Jesus did. Because the Bible says this, his mercies are new every morning. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, he got a brand new feeling just for you. He got a brand new mercy just for you. He's got something great just for you tomorrow morning when you wake up. But you're trying to live on today's feeling for tomorrow when tomorrow ain't today. And I want to encourage you as the body of Christ. Let the word of God define who you are and let it richly dwell on the inside of you to a place where it doesn't matter if this chair is here or this chair is in South Africa and there's people all around or if this chair is in the Arctic. He's still seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places because the definition doesn't just stay with the chair. The chair should be with Hunter wherever he goes because he's always seated with Christ in heavenly places whether he feels like it or not. So... Define it is so key to every part of your Christian walk. It's the, the key to everything that you're doing. Y'all give Pastor Hunter a hand clap this morning. Yeah. Now I'm going to leave this chair here because I need you to keep an eye on this chair because it's pivotal for the rest of the message. Now listen, is it really already 9.58? Golly, y'all. We may have to hit grace next week. No, here we go. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able, everybody say God is able, to make all grace, everybody say all grace, abound to you. So listen to this. Having all sufficiency. Now listen to what sufficiency means. It doesn't mean doing really good at barely getting by. Sufficiency means this. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. That means his grace is enough. When, Paul, when God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, he wasn't saying sit there and struggle through your problem. He was saying my grace is a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Paul, I've already given you all the grace that I've got. And so my grace, everything of heaven is already here for you. It's sufficient for you. It's more than enough in everything that you're going through. His grace is there. Now listen to this. What is grace? Grace is this. It is one way love it's one way love mitch wait till 1005 to roll up on stage grace is one way love listen to this all of him for all of us all of god for all of you your life if you're a parent your life is your kids you know this right so when he says he spared not his own son he gave all of him for all of you he gave all of jesus for all of joel that is one-way love. Joel hadn't given anything to him yet. Joel hadn't blessed him with anything yet. And in fact, even if I never would bless him with anything, he was saying, I'm still giving all of me for all of you because grace is my one-way love for you. If I never get anything back, God said, that's not why I gave it in the first place because that's selfishness, not love. I gave it to you because I love you and my demonstration of it is grace, all of me for all of you because this is who I really am at my deepest core, God. Come on now, that's good. So what is grace? The Bible term is unmerited favor. A great way to put that is one-way love. One-way love. Now, how does grace work in my life? It works in the form of empowered obedience. How does grace, what is grace? It is one-way love. All of God for all of you. How does it work? It works in the form of empowered obedience. It's all of God for all of me, so no matter what my circumstance is, I can get through it. If I'll stay seated where I am actually defined. Right? 
And listen, even if you get out of where you're actually defined, his grace is still bigger than you out of the chair. He'll get you right where you're at to bring you back, to put you back in the chair of his love. It's the empowered obedience. It's the very power of God to help you be that overcoming, more than a conqueror, anointed man and woman of God that he already said you are. And he gives you all of him for all of you so you have the empowered obedience to do it. So he's not giving you a command that you can't fulfill. He's giving you an opportunity and giving you the power to do it. And he's, and he's doing that in your life. And so empowered obedience, the power that God gave Jesus, he now gives to us to live a life of right relationship with God. So if grace is one-way love, and the form of grace expressed is empowered obedience, it's all of heaven poured into this chair where you're seated saying, you got this, son. I believe in you, son. I believe in you, daughter. You can do this. You're more than a conqueror. Jesus didn't die so you would fail. He died so you would live, have life everlasting, and overcome and be more than a conqueror. That's what, so if that is what grace is, this is what grace is not. If grace is one-way love expressed in the form of empowered obedience, Grace is not a license to sin and do whatever I please. Now, now listen, now, now I want you to hear because a lot of people say, well, y'all believe in that grace stuff where you can go sin and do whatever you want. God's still going to love you. God loves you eternally no matter what. Whether you're a sinner or a saint, he loves you. He already gave his son. His decision of love was made before the foundations of the earth were ever slain. So, so whether we sin or not has nothing to do with his love. His love is his love. Whether we sin or not has nothing to do with his grace. His grace has already been paid for and shown on the cross of Calvary and through the resurrection. But many people say, well, y'all's definition of grace is a license to sin and do whatever you want. No, our definition of grace is it doesn't have to do with the license of anything. Because when you got your driver's license, you had to earn something. You can't earn grace. Come on now. You had to study. You had to go take a driving test. You had to prove your ability to an instructor. So the devil would have you think that the definition of grace has something to do with a license because it's always about your works. God's definition of grace is one-way love and empowered obedience. I want to read to you a verse of scripture about grace in Romans 5, 15 through 17. Now, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Now there is no comparison between Adam's sin or transgression and the gracious gift of grace that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. Come on now. Ooh, the magnitude of Jesus far outweighs any sin you could have committed. Man, that is so good. It is true that many died because of one man's sin or transgression in Adam. But how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of one man, Jesus, the Messiah, and what he did for us? And this free-flowing gift, come on now, that's so good. The grace is a free-flowing gift. It didn't stop one time. It's still free-flowing, and it imparts to us much more than what was given through the one who sinned. For because of one sin, we are all facing death sentence and a, and a guilty verdict. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into perfect right standing with God, acquitted by the words, not guilty. Come on, that's talking about you. You want Jesus looking at you right now saying, not guilty. Not guilty. He believes in my blood. Not guilty. Well, he messed up, but I already paid for it. Not guilty. Now listen, if you truly get that, you don't want to go sin anymore. The people who say, well, grace is I can go sin and do whatever I want and God will forgive me. You haven't experienced real grace. 
Because when you experience real grace, I don't even want to sin anymore. Because the magnitude of the gift far outweighed my crime. The magnitude of what he did far outweighed anything that I would go through. Now listen, death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, everybody say, but now. How much more are we held in the grip of grace, empowered obedience of one-way love, and continue reigning as kings in this life, enjoying our regal royal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah? Come on now. Now listen. Grace is not a license at all when you get down to it. Grace is actually, it's a gift card. Grace is actually a gift card for your life. Now listen, a license is something you got to earn. A gift card you don't have to earn. A gift card is something somebody gives you that has a big price to it. Come on now. It's something somebody gives you and it has a big price to it, but it costs you nothing. So when people say, well, grace is a gift and it's free. No, grace wasn't free. Grace was costly. It cost Jesus his life. It may have been free to you, but it wasn't free to him. It wasn't free to God. Grace is a gift to you. And it's expressed in the form of this card. Now listen. This is a $100 gift card to Saltgrass. And that's for you. You didn't come expecting that this morning. But that's for you. Now listen, because I like to eat, I'm pretty sure you like to eat, but I could go to Saltgrass and one meal for myself, I don't think I could spend $100 on a steak big enough. For that. So, so it's all grace that's super abounds. So that's more than enough that you need for you to feed yourself. In fact, it's probably enough for you to feed yourself in the beautiful significant other sitting next to you so your grace is more than enough for you it's enough for you and it helps you touch her and so it's a free gift it wasn't free to God but it was free for you and he gave it to you this morning and said I'm not asking you to earn it I love you I'm not giving you this so you'll join the church I'm giving you this because I saw you sitting here and and you look like you could go enjoy a time at Saltgrass But listen, i got to tell you something about this card. You can't go spend it at McDonald's. If you walked into McDonald's with that card, you, you can't spend that at McDonald's. See, this is what we do with grace many times in the area of sin. God gives us more than enough that we need to eat at a very nice steakhouse restaurant, but we want to squander the precious gift that will cost him so much and go sin and eat at McDonald's. Mm. Come on. And, and, and back in my younger, ignorant, immature days, I used to really like McDonald's until I had saltgrass. Come on now. And, and a burger at saltgrass is a lot better than a double quarter pounder at McDonald's. But many of us, we take this gift of grace that was so costly and expensive for God and it was free to us and it's our empowered obedience. All we got to do is go where this says on the front side and if you go to this place and give them this card, they're going to say, Sir, you got $100. What you want? This is how grace really works. But I can't go spend it at McDonald's. 
Many of us are spending time in our life. Time in our life. Way apart from the place that God would have us that His grace paid for. And here's another $100 gift card. I just want to... That's for you. I, I don't know if you need it or you don't need it. You could go just have a good day and have fun and I hope that, that it empowers you to go and experience God in a way that you never would have before because I like Saltcrest and the Bible together because it says taste and see that the Lord is good and I can get a good message out of that. Come on now. You get a great message out of that. But the only thing I'm trying to say this morning is the way Bible church isn't trying to buy your love. The way Bible church isn't trying to buy anything. God wasn't trying to buy you. He was trying to gift himself to you. And his grace card, the card he's given with grace, has Jesus on the front of it. And whenever you're up against a trial or a temptation that you can't overcome, all you got to do is pull out that grace card or that gift card and says, Jesus has already paid this price for me. I don't got to fall victim to the sin that I once was in. I'm pulling out my Jesus, my grace card, because His grace was more than enough. The price was fully paid at the cross of Calvary. And please don't you think I'm referring to Jesus as a gift card, but He is the gift that was given to you in a fashion that you can use Him. And when you pull the name of Jesus out, it's still the name that's above every name that the blood of Jesus bought and paid for you. So I just pull out the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, you're more than enough for me. Oh, that's grace. That is what grace is. That is the fullness of the grace of God. You can't earn it. It cost him something vital. It was expensive. It's one-way love. I'm not expecting anything in return from you guys. That's one-way love from TWBC to you guys. We just love you because you're here. You're, you're a person, and we love you. And what you do with that card from now on, it's up to you. It's completely up to you. The Bible says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now listen, they got to do something with that card. If they question that there's really $100 on the car, well, I'm not driving all the way to Rockwall because I don't really know there's $100 on this card or not. <laughs> if there ain't $100 on that card, you better come find me because I got a... <laughs> Executive Pastor Derek's going to make me accountable for the money we just spent on them cards. I'll get you your, I'll get you your food. <laughs> for by grace you've been saved through faith, though. He can't go squander that card at McDonald's. Girl behind the counter say, Sir, why are you trying to spend this here? You got a much higher place that you've been called to, to go to. Much higher place. So you've been saved by grace. It was all of Him for all of us. Through faith, the only thing you got to do is pull out the name of Jesus and begin to use it in your moment of whatever. And not even a moment of trial, your moment of good, your moment of bad, your moment of joy, your moment of sorrow, your moment of peace, your moment of trial, your moment of heaven, your moment of hell, your moment of whatever. You just pull the name of Jesus out and it's more than enough. His grace is sufficient. It superabounds in every area of your life. Prayer team, if you'd come and be ready to pray. Listen to this as we close. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not anything of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. 
Now, guys, listen, i got to have you hear me on this real good. Everybody look at me just for a moment. I need you to go to the app, or I need you to go to the website, because I still have all this of the message that I didn't even get to. And I knew I wouldn't. That's why it's called bonus information. And I want to touch for just one second on some of the bonus information. It talks about saving grace, sanctifying grace, strengthening grace, sharing grace, serving grace, standing grace, approaching grace, receiving grace, continuing grace, abounding grace, be strong in grace, grow in grace, set your hope fully on grace, and testify to the grace. Come on now. That, that, that's still, I haven't even got to that part of grace yet. See, you can't exhaust, I can't tell you all about grace. You're trying to exhaust an inexhaustible God when you talk about grace. I just prayed that the illustration did it a little bit of justice. And even God says the grace is an empowering grace. And you've heard the term before in church called charismatic. That word comes from our English word charisma which is two Greek words, charis, which is grace, ma, which is gift. And so anytime somebody says, are y'all charismatic? Yes, because we operate in the grace gifts. The gifts that God gave his church for us to live in. I'm going to use them to the fullest. And so all that's in your bonus information that I got to have you read and study and everything else. But stand with me this morning because if you've been touched by grace today, then you have a place at the presence of God. The Bible says this, for by grace, all of him, for all of us, one way love, you have been saved through faith. That's our empowered obedience. If you're struggling with anything this morning, he's already given you the power through his grace to come meet him at this place with one of these ministers up here to have your life changed.